God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. Well, God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. My name is Marcus Ortega. It's great to be with you. And as always, I am joined by the most excellent Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today? Oh my gosh, most excellent. I don't know. I might. Let, I'm sorry. Let me go get my tiara. Oh, I'm sorry. That would be <laughs> that. That would no, be uh, no. followed by Your Highness. I suppose that that would be that would be. I didn't say Your Excellency, but um. No, I'm very excited to be diving in. We've been off for a couple weeks celebrating Christmas. We're back with y'all, and uh, we are taking a little bit of a turn in what we're doing with this season. So really the first chunk of this season was uh, a lot of defining terms, a lot of uh, explaining where we're coming from on certain conversations around race and ethnicity and injustice. Lisa, we're taking a turn into really a place where you've got some education. You spent some time in this. So we're walking into your neck of the woods here, systematic theology. So Lisa, how how much time do you spend studying this? Well, let's see. So the THM at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary is 120 credits. Yes, that would be the same number of credits it takes to get a bachelor's. Um, For people who are doing that comparison, (laughs) Um, because I certainly did. Um, So I have 121 uh, units in uh, with my degree. And of course, that entails Greek and Hebrew. You know, I was Mm -hmm. not really a language person. I kind of slogged through it, especially Hebrew. Me and Hebrew fought hard. Uh, But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I got to a point where I said, look, one of us is going down. And it's not going to be <laughs> Man, Hebrew was rough. I did Hebrew as well. And if not for... So I had a professor, Libby Groves, at Westminster. And anybody who's listening who went to Westminster knows Libby Groves, who is probably the greatest professor in the history of professors. If not for her, there's zero chance I'm getting through Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah, we all have, you know, and, and we all, and thank God for those professors, because I certainly had, I certainly had <laughs> mine. Um, but my, you know, my focus, when I came into the program, you could have two different tracks. It, it was either an academic track or a more practical ministry track. And so, of course, I went the academic route. I actually had thought I would be going on to a PhD, but my master's thesis uh, kind of dissuaded me. <laughs> Otherwise, that was that was brutal. Um, And I, you know, and I had a focus on systematic theology. So, you know, at DTS, we have to take core classes. Everybody, every degree person has to take a set of core classes. There's six core 
uh, systematic classes. It, it's in the theological studies department. And then we take um, two historical theology classes as our base, as our basis. Well, at least for the THM, not necessarily for the yeah. ma masters, uh, for, you know, for the MA um, folks. But then because my focus was, was on systematic theology, um, all of my, all except for two of my electives were in systematic or historical theology. And I decided to buttress that with two Old Testament classes um, oh, which go. were very, um, which were very helpful, and, and I think very fitting with the theme of systematic theology. One was knowing God through the Old Testament, and the other one was a class on the covenants. Okay. So, so all of that to say that that has been kind of my heartbeat, and one of the one of the main reasons, and and we probably have brought this up in. Um, you know, maybe a previous season when we talked about our background. Um, you know, I think recently we kind of joked around, uh, joked about my charismatic, my former charismatic background. <laughs> um, you know, and it's true for a number of years. I, you know, I came to Christ under some, you know, not not very stable theology, but at the same time, it was infused with you know, knowing the Bible, loving the Bible. You know, knowing that it's God's word, knowing that this is what we need for faith and practice. But what tends to happen is you look at scripture and you, you kind of pick and choose, right? And, 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 and if you are in a, um, you know, if you have a particular theological focus, then it's, you know, you, 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 you have these, and I guess you could call them doctrines that are formulated and it's sometimes not, not necessarily based on what the whole council of scripture is teaching, but mm. you know, sometimes it's based on what we, what, what folks extract from scripture and then go back and apply it on scripture. And so the tendency is to kind of pick and choose, you know, your favorite passages based on whatever your, you know, whatever that theological bent is and um, yeah. look at it. So I was, you know, I was like that. I, I read the Bible in a very disjointed fashion um, and, and you know, believe that very much in that, you know, that God gives direct revelation that, yeah, the Bible is fine, but we need more information. And, and, and especially when you are in charismatic circles, there's a lot of emphasis on your experience and what what you experience mm. happening with your relationship your relationship with god um and that changed in 2006 i was challenged by a new friend who who you know started asking me very pointed questions about mm. things i believed um and you know and asked me to find, you know, how, how do you find that in scripture? Like, how do you support that scripturally? And, you know, that's when I really got hit. Now, now at that point, I'd been reading the Bible for many, many years. But mm. what was missing was somebody like sitting down and telling and showing me how the 66 books fit together as one cohesive okay. narrative. Um, and so I, you know, I started even just started reading things more in context, paying better attention to the mm. context. And that really started unraveling, um, you know, some of my 
beliefs um, that I had I had picked up over the years, and it was a very challenging time. And I can see why people, when you challenge them on their interpretation, you know, challenge them on their beliefs. Because listen, at the core of it, this is about us and God, right? Yeah. And and that's a hard thing to take. You know, you you don't want people don't want to let that go, and that's why we have to be very careful about how we address and challenge false doctrine, distorted doctrine, right? You just don't go and, you know, because the person is kind of cherishing that and, you you know, you just want to go knock it out of their hands. That's not exactly going to, uh, you know, be, be the best course. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's really engaging. And that's what somebody did with me. It's engaging and interacting with people about why do you believe that? And then what do you do? with what scripture says about that and not just selected mm. passages but what is, what does the whole council of scripture um say about that so in that same year when you know i i, I struggled a lot i mean it was and it was hard um I, because i had to confront things that i believed that i had to acknowledge like this is not what scripture really teaches and i mm. have to say i was wrong and i believed wrongly so at the at the same time all that's unraveling, I you know ran from one church to another. I found a small. I was living in uh, Rhode Island at the time, and uh, I found a small Bible church in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, that was pastored by a DTS grad, and they just happened to have a Bible Institute, and that's mm. where at this Bible Institute I was introduced to the discipline of systematic theology. The discipline of theology, and what it, it and here and here's what I, I absolutely love about it is that what systematic theology does is it forces you to ask questions of scripture of what the whole council of scripture says about key doctrine in the Christian faith, and it also discourages you or Okay, discourages, I'm thinking I should have another word, but it discourages you from the picking and choosing, right? Because when you look at particular doctrine, you know, whether it's the doctrine of of sin, the doctrine of anthropology, the doctrine of, you know, of salvation, you are forced to look at what the whole Bible says about a particular topic and you're forced to address where there might be a rub. Therefore, what it Mm -hmm. should deter is the cherry picking, the picking and choosing and forcing us to add, ask hard questions. I know, by the way, so we are in 2020, we have a, a plethora, like centuries of those who have gone before us that have asked these questions, that have done some hard work. And we can go back and look at the historical record of what, of the work that somebody who's, you know, remote for the most part, you know, a lot more, a lot smarter than we are, um, Mm. you know, can go back and look at, okay, so what did so-and-so have to say about this? And we can look to those witnesses, right? Because the Holy Spirit has been active in his church 
you know, we, we can't, you know, dismiss it as, oh, who cares about what dead man think? Well, obviously God does because the Holy Spirit was active and, and moving, you know, in them also. Um, and so this is where I just became very attracted to, um, you know, to the discipline of systematic theology because it forces you to ask those questions. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think... It's a great answer to an anticipated objection of, well, I have the Bible, why do I need systematic theology, right? And and I think it's because while we have the Bible, you have this diverse, uh, complicated, uh, you know, there, you got all these different kinds of books in both the Old and New Testaments, different genres coming into play. There's so much happening in the Bible. The systematic theology helps us to ask the question, you know, what does the whole Bible say about sin? What does the whole Bible say about salvation? And yeah, it forces you. It is a discipline's a good word. It disciplines you to not proof text. Um, and, and I think that's going to be, you know, what we're doing in this podcast is we are applying systematic theology to the pressing questions of race, ethnicity, and injustice. Um, so we're not looking at systematic theology as kind of like, let's do an overview of what the doctrines teach. We're going to apply what the doctrines teach to these questions and ask the question, does the doctrine of God help us with these questions? Does the doctrine of Christ or doctrine of salvation or doctrine of the church, doctrine of last things, do these things help us with um, dealing with today's problems? of injustice and race and ethnicity and, and all the different things that are going on that, that went through the entirety really of 2020. And, and so for so many generations before that, so we're going to try and apply these topics. Um, it's going to require us to get a little bit into what does the topic actually teach? Um, but then, you know, some people may be like, Oh, cool. Just stick in, dive in deep into the systematics, but we're doing applied systematic theology. And it's a slightly different approach where it is about the um, the today, how, how does today get impacted by these systematic categories? Um, now, we're going to use the systematic categories of the Reformed tradition. Um, we're going to, you know, we're, we're not going to try and deviate from the Reformed tradition because, well, both of us are Presbyterians. And so we have our, we have the way systematics is done. Um but I do think this will be helpful because so often when you enter into conversation of race, ethnicity, injustice, other issues that would be under the larger social justice umbrella of poverty and stuff like that, cherry picking is one of the favorite activities of people who Indeed do this work. And I think the reason for that is I don't know. Maybe there is one. I don't know of an applied theology of race, ethnicity, and injustice. There are specific loci within, um, you know, within systematics. A particular doctrine gets applied, but I don't know of somebody who said, "Let's look at all of these um, different areas of theology and try and apply it all to this question to try and help us answer." Um, so we're kind of doing something really difficult. It's not going to be easy. We're probably not going to get it right most of the time. <laughs> We're going to do our best. Um, we're going to make mistakes, and, and we encourage others to to get involved in this kind of conversation. Um, but Lisa, I wonder when we when we talk about this, um, I'll I'll preface this question with these 
uh, with an article that I, I found. It, it's a, a little bit of an older article. Um, I say older. It's not that old. It's 2018. But um, it's by Robert Klein and Nick Rourke. It was over on crossway.org. Um, four reasons why we need biblical theology. Um, and I don't want to get into the difference between biblical and systematic you know, theology I was right ask now. You to define that for our listeners, but okay, we're gonna we're gonna oh, just walk, we're gonna just roll right past that because so, it gets a little so nuanced. Sometimes, all right. Well, no, now you now you said I have to define. So here's the thing: systematics. Uh, here's the best way to do it. Systematic theology is topical. Biblical theology is um, much more limited in its scope. So let me explain. When you're dealing with systematic theology, you're asking the question, what does the Bible say about this topic? When you're doing biblical theology, you're asking the question, what does Luke say about this topic? What does John say about this topic? You're not worried about the whole of the scope of Scripture. You're looking specifically in those lanes. Um, what is the main theme of Luke is a biblical theology question, not a systematic theology question. Um, and so... What we're going to do here, here's the thing. You can't divorce systematics in biblical theology. They, they go together. Um, but I do think that we're dealing with a specific topic and applying all of these other areas of systematics to that topic. I hope that made sense yeah, for yeah, folks. Yeah, I, 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 I hope so. And, and here's what we're not going to do. We are not using systematic theology to prove one way or another. Right, mm, because that yeah. that would defeat the purpose. Right, we're because we're we're critiquing those who you know pick and choose, who cherry pick, uh, you know these proof texts as a platform for agendas. What we're yeah. doing is saying, okay, we want to make sure that when we look at these issues, we're building on the right foundation. Right. So that's going to, and I, I suspect where that's going to take us is that we're, you know, sometimes we're going to have differences in scope. We're going to have differences in interpretation, and that's okay. What yeah. matters is that we're building on the right foundation. And I also, right. and, and just as you, um, you know, and just as you indicated that we are, looking at systematics to help us address these issues, I think there's also going to be a little bit of a reining in. In some cases, maybe a lot of a reining in, in terms of our Christian response. And mm. and particularly how our Christian response might be going off track a little bit so that it's really more of a a response that's according to worldly philosophies than it is from a Christian response. And so this is another way that I think looking at it through a systematic theological lens is going to temper that tendency and show yeah. us where we might be going too far. Right. Well, and, and I think, you know, this article from Crossway it gives these four reasons why we need theology. The first is to help clarify the Bible's main purpose, which is to tell the story of Jesus Christ as uh, as Savior and King. But the second thing they list here is it helps guard and guide the church. Mm -hmm. and, and that's especially important right now. As you're saying, there's this 
there is a tendency, I think the reason why we are polarizing in the church right now and why we're being pulled into these different directions is we don't have systematic categories in play when we're having the conversations. We're not coming from a biblical theological view. We're not, we're not asking systematic questions. We are responding all too often emotionally or unbiblically to the the questions of the day and what's frustrating is we think we're being biblical because we quoted a bible verse but we've actually not used that bible verse within the larger scope of scripture um and, and so i think what we have to do when we go through this is we have to constantly be asking the question instead of what verse do we point to we're asking questions like what theme in scripture helps us get to this place what uh, under what heading how does the doctrine of sin impact the way we talk about race ethnicity and justice how does um, god as creator impact that how does god's plan for the universe uh, this large word eschatology right um how does that plan impact us today in the way we live life out as christians in the church Th that's what we're trying to do but notice those are radically different questions than what the culture's asking. Right. The culture's not asking, hey, what's God's eschatological plan for the world? Like, that's not how they're approaching the issues of race and injustice. Um, and, and so here's what's going to happen. We're going to say some things as we do this that are sometimes going to feel like, oh, man, they're aligning with this group. No, we are not. <laughs> Absolutely not. The, the kingdom of God has its own uh, founding document. That's the scriptures. We are trying to be the equivalent of constitutional scholars of the word. We're diving into the word here. And so if it sounds like, oh, they're leaning in this direction or that direction, that's because your categories are wrong. We're trying to simply do systematic work, not lean in one direction or another. And... Um, so I want to put that out there early because this is not a Trojan horse towards a particular worldview. It's not what we're trying to accomplish. Right. Cause we're, cause we're really both committed to looking at it through a Christian worldview, right? Committed to the authority of scripture, to the sufficiency of scripture. And I also want to, you know, kind of insert in here in terms of how we're, uh, you know, as we go through this exercise, um, and, and that we're, you know, putting this on in the solid foundation, that the, the issue of hermeneutics is going to come in play as well. And All right, you got to define that it, one. It's if I basically define how you. Theology. Oh, I know that's a lot of syllables. Some of <laughs> us like those syllables, but you know, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm constantly reminded that you know the best. Theology is is the plain theology, right? <laughs> there you go. Because uh, it really theology is a verb. It's it's what we do, right? There's no yep. such thing, you know. There, yeah. There's there's theology that's relegated to the academic realm, but ultimately, that's supposed to impact our faith. That's supposed to impact our worship. Um, so there's there, you know, even the most academic exercise really has to have an application, or else we're just we're just spinning our wheels. Um, but you know, how, so when it comes to looking at what does the 
what does the whole Bible say about a particular topic, we're going to come into places where we might have some disagreement about how particular passages are interpreted. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's perfectly fine. And, and then I think if you look at it, a lot of it, especially when I look at the disagreements about these, you know, in, in this this area, a lot of it does come down to hermeneutics, I think. Mm. You know, um, and how, you know, and how how is that applied? You know, for instance, when we look at how the issue of justice is... Um, addressed in the Old Testament, particularly with the Old Testament laws. Well, we know that in Matthew 5.17, you know, that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So then how how do you then apply those particular applications of, Mm -hmm. of justice in a New Testament context, and particularly when you look at the fact that there is not a lot specifically addressed as it is in the Old Testament, like we have to deal with that. Um, You know, and I think that we also have to look at the cultural differences between um, when God was calling out his people in the Old Testament as a nation, they were a theocracy versus under this, under this new administration, post resurrection under Christ, they're now living in a different cultural context in which all the promises that were applied to Old Testament Israel are now find their locus in the working person of Christ and what that means for his body that's living in a different kind of world. Right. Yeah, I mean, this all gets really, really muddy. I mean, here, here's what um, I, I think you're drawing out just because we're doing systematics doesn't mean we're going to come to clear this is the answer. Like it, it's it's still going to leave a lot of room for disagreement. Um, and and people who study systematics know that because systematicians disagree with one another all the right. time, and they're using the same. That's sixty percent of the seminary and education, by the way. It's looking at how people that's disagree. Right. <laughs> that's it. And, and so, you know, my, my hope for folks as we tackle this um, is that it helps people to see there is a better way to look at the questions than perhaps what we've been offered in social media um, and in the kind of in the larger public sphere. There is a, these aren't topics we have to run away from. I think a lot of Christians are scared and, and hopefully in these opening episodes of our season, we've open up the the kind of given permission hey talk about this stuff without fear let's dive in let's understand there's ways to approach the issues where we can disagree and not demonize um and now we want to look at some of the tools that are at your disposal through systematic theology um so there's one thing i want to do before we close up today is i just want to um, make a couple recommendations to folks if they if they're relatively new to systematic theology like here's something you should read um so i'll i'll just i'll start off with a really good i believe a great short introduction to systematic theology it's uh plain theology for plain people by octavius booth um it's this wonderful i mean it is a for a systematic it it is short short short. i'm so glad Um, that walter strickland dug up 
this man's work. Uh, and for those who yeah. don't know, Charles Octavius Booth was a former slave. And he wrote this work in the 1890s, which, of course, at that time, it's, you know, it's not going to get any attention. Um, right. But Walter Strickland, who is a professor at Southeastern Theological Baptist Seminary, uh, dug up his work and, you know, and published it a couple years ago, I think. Um, plain mm -hmm. theology for plain people. You're right. I absolutely love it. It's a great, you know, it's a great way to be introduced to the categories of systematic theology to get the, the very basics of the truth. He's not going to go very deep. That's the whole point of the volume. But I think it's great. It's a short introduction. Um, if folks want to go a little deeper, I'll share my favorite. And then Lisa, I don't know, maybe you have a favorite you can share. My favorite systematic theologian uh, is Herman Bovink. He is a... Uh, Dutch theologian. You're going way deep. Absolutely. You're just going. You just went from first. You just went guy. from first grade to to college. <laughs> but there is, but there is a high school version. So here's what I would say: if you've never done systematics before, go to Charles Octavius Booth. Start there. If you're familiar with the categories and you know how to walk in it, but you've never done deep study, then don't run all the way to Herman Bovink's four-volume Reform Dogmatics. It's going to crush you. There is a book that uh, Westminster Press put out, I want to say in 2019. Uh, it's a reprint, and it's called The Wonderful Works of God. And it is a beautifully written one-volume systematic theology. Uh, it, yeah, you got to work a little bit. Like you're, taking, you're definitely taking the next step. But I, I think it is... Um, by far, in my opinion, the best single volume systematic theology that's out there. Um, so that's uh, The Wonderful Works of God by Herman Bovink. Lisa, what is your go-to systematician? Well, you know, it's John Frame. I love John Frame. Okay. Um, All right. I love Bovink. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say, and don't shoot, don't shoot me for saying this, so my first systematic theology book was Wayne? Oh, you're gonna say Wayne Grudem. Oh, Lisa. yes. It, but here's what it here's what it does, and especially for for the for those to whom this is new, it really it, it really introduces you to the depth of systematic theology. Now, I don't I look back on it now and think, yeah, some of his conclusions are a little forced, but in just in terms of organizing. You know the way that these topics are organized. I, I don't think I don't think it's really bad. All right. Well, we we listen. We haven't even gotten into systematic theology yet. We found already a disagreement. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I struggle with Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. Uh, it was my first one as well. Um, I agree. It's organized well. It's written very clearly. Unfortunately, in I think for both of us, we would say that Grudem makes some severe errors in his doctrine of God mm -hmm. um, that have led to a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, read Wayne Grudem for sure. All right, give us another one. If not Wayne Grudem, though, <laughs> you already did Wayne Grudem. Um, you know, I I will confess I have read parts of Louis Burkhoff's. Um, oh yeah, good my stuff. actually, my husband just ordered it for me today, so I have it on ah. my shelf. Be why I don't go. have it on my shelf, 
now is beyond me, but we have rectified that. There you go. And so I will be obtaining that purchase whenever it gets here. There you go. So I think I think we have detailed out for you a great way through. Start with Booth. Then I would say go to Grudem next. Um, and then quickly, after you're done with Grudem, move into Burkhoff or Bovink's one mm-hmm. volume um, and correct all the things that we're wrong. And the <laughs> yeah, John one. Frame has a John uh, Frame has a systematic theology also. That's right. He and does. the one thing, and he what does. I love about John Frame's writing is that he really just makes things plain. You know, he takes mm. these even the the most abstract ideas and really make and brings them home in, in very clear, yeah. precise language. And that's what we need because theology is meant to be understood. It's meant to be applied. And we can apply something yes. we don't understand what we're reading. Absolutely. Listen, theology has a function. It's it's a tool. It's not the end in and of itself. And its tool is a greater knowledge and love for God and then a greater knowledge and love for our neighbors. And so um, that's, listen, our goal here is to obey the two commandments. That's why you study theology. And too often we study theology for its own sake. No, it's a tool. The study of theology is a tool to deepen our love for the Lord and our love for one another. And and we hope to demonstrate that as we apply these categories to uh, the issues of race and injustice. Um, Lisa, any last words for our folks before we uh, bid them goodbye for now? No, it's, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this. You're right. I, I haven't really seen anybody tackling uh, these issues with this approach. So I feel a little bit pioneerish a little bit so, oh, there you, go. <laughs> so All right. uh, you know that's you know I, I always tread on lightly when it comes to novelty because novelty yeah. tends to be a diversion you know from right you know from what what's true what's you know what, what god has revealed to us but in this case in terms of connecting dots um you yeah. know i'm ex- i'm excited about the exercise Awesome. Well, I hope it blesses many people, and uh, we dive in next week with Doctrine of God. Uh, So, grab a systematic theology that we talked about, grab your thinking cap, and join us next week for our next episode of Family Discussion. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion.